You all recall that passage? Uh, Jesus says the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. Um, you know, if you're looking for an occasion uh, for you for your flesh to desire to pray, you're never going to. Is that clear? Um, if you're looking, uh, see, f a prayer really is the complete opposite of self-indulgence. It contributes nothing to the flesh. And this is why um, many people find it extremely difficult. Um, even uh, godly people, even uh, ministers. and uh, The reason for that is because... Um, People can preoccupy themselves with many things in the Christian faith. Um, you might be a gospel singer, right? And you stand before a crowd of many people. Um, there's something that can contribute to your flesh there, right? If you're not careful, you can desire the attention. You can desire uh, the... the, the um, your name getting out there. Right? The same with preaching. People may love to hear themselves talk about God to men more than they desire to talk to God. Uh, they, they love to talk to men about God more than they love to talk to God about men. Right? And so this public appearance or people's name getting out there or their YouTube growing or whatever it is. Maybe it's a love offering that they get because they preached at a church. Maybe because they've spent countless hours sermonizing and uh, so they, they want to show off their, their speech skills. Okay, But when it comes to prayer specifically, there's nothing that in the private you can get out of it if God isn't uh, your primary focus. Is that, is that clear? But one of the things I wanted to point out there is, first of all, Jesus made it very clear that uh, it was difficult enough to pray. He says the flesh is weak, but the spirit is willing. And now mind you, you know, a lot of people say they want to see Jesus in the flesh. Right? I would I would do anything to see Jesus today. And yet, you're not any different from the rest of the disciples because there was no excitement to sustain their praying when they were with Jesus. There was nothing about their being with Jesus that that excited them to enable them to pray. Does that make sense? And so if you're looking for a time of excitement or a time to be bolstered up, if you're looking for a time to be elated or a time to be encouraged to pray, you're never going to. Does that make sense? Um, it's kind of like uh, when you're a, a child and you're supposed to take medicine. The child doesn't want to take the medicine because it's nasty. So, But if you're going to wait until it becomes pleasant, you will never get better. Does that make sense? Y'all ain't going to talk, huh? <laughs> uh, what, it's true. So... But I, I, the point, though, I wanted to add to that is to say, if that is difficult enough 
for those who attempt to be concentrated in prayer? How much more do you suppose the difficulty will be for those who are distracted? If with full concentration you find difficulty, don't give me this nonsense of, I'm a good multitasker. To say, I can pray distracted. Right? So I always want to continue to remind ourselves because um, if your all isn't in praying, then, you, then you're not uh, giving to God what scripture requires. Does that make sense? And the reason for that is because the Bible speaks of earnest prayer. And that one cannot be divided or distracted or derailed, right? Because that's what distraction does to you, is it makes you divided in your devotion. So if God wants full devotion, not divided devotion. Amen? And so this is why even in your time, your private time in prayer, when you want to uh, uh, you know, turn off things and... and uh, Put on music if you have to because you want full concentration. I remember Leonard Ravenhill said that if we don't concentrate in prayer, we'll be praying in concentration camps. Now, I'm not prophesying that over anybody to say that we're physically going to be in concentration camps. But I think that we will be in our own spiritual concentration camp, our own emotional, our own mental concentration camp if we can't concentrate in prayer. Because if for anybody who doesn't continually go before the Lord and pray him, Lord, deliver us from evil, deliver us from the wicked one, then you will be enticed and ensnared by the wicked one. Does that make sense? And when he ensnares and entices you, he doesn't entice you into a playpen. He entices you into a concentration camp. Amen? Yes? Amen. <clears throat> um, I wanted to uh, briefly share this testimony only because I, I, I wanted to give glo- glory to God. Um, um, but Sister Nikki had invi- uh, informed me that she wouldn't be attending today because today would be her first or second day of work. And um, if you guys were not aware, um, sh- she had has a background... Uh, before the Lord, uh, before she was serving the Lord, a criminal background and had uh, received felonies. I don't know if that's a term that some of you guys uh, have in in your other countries, but um, but nonetheless, it her her crime is a violent crime, and it makes it difficult for her to get a job. Uh, but we had been praying to the Lord. Uh, for a door to be opened in order for God to uh, bless her with a job in order for uh, finances to come in. So uh, we're grateful to God that he answered that despite um, any challenges, right? Um, Because there are challenges and sometimes you may be discouraged to continue to pray because a door is closed. But remember in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus says, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be opened. Now, undoubtedly the knocking there speaks of praying, does it not? Now, if you are praying and the knocking there is representative of prayer, 
um, then that means that there are doors that you come up to that are closed and that you need to continue to knock until they're opened. So you might have to be doing some knocking for a while. You may have to be knocking until your knuckles bleed. <laughs> and if you look at the Greek, uh, the verb there is continuous. So in other words, keep knocking and the door will be opened. God bless you guys for those that have just joined. Great to have you. Um, <clears throat> so you have to continue to keep knocking. Is that clear? But what happens is people get so tired, they knock for a while, and then they say, you know what, I'm, I'm sick of this, I'm going to give up. And they throw in the towel. Have you desired to throw in the towel? I was speaking with a brother recently, my heart goes out to him. Because he's going through a, a severe mental um, and emotional and spiritual warfare and has been persisting for 19 months. And and, uh, I, and my heart goes out to him because I had gone through the same thing that he went through and I had gone through it for two years. Um, but it, it's, a, it's a tormenting time. Um, but he loves the Lord. He's not living in sin. So, But he had been continuing to ask God to deliver him from it. Now, we can speculate and try to give reasons for why God hasn't delivered us just yet. But that's the realm that we don't want to venture into. Because all that then leads us to is endless questioning. And endless questioning will never encourage faith. It will only puncture it. Does that make sense? Oh, come on, somebody. Amen, bro. So, if we are to do questioning, it's a question with a proper posture of heart that goes before the Lord and says, God, I fully submit to what you know and what you are willing to reveal. God, is there anything that I am not privy to, I'm not aware of, that you want to reveal to me that is, that, that is, that is accessible to me that I need to know? But beyond that, uh, 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 see, because what happens is for people who are not content with the limited revelation that God provides, they then venture into witchcraft. Does that make sense? Why? Be, you know, I, I remember uh, just recently uh, uh, someone reached out to me um, from another country and they told me, Brother, I need help. I, this sister in the Lord, uh, she's gone and on a downward spiral. And I say, well, can you explain to me what has happened? She said, well, she met this brother in the church. And I, I hope this is, is okay. Uh, as, as it's customary, I always prime us with the word uh, <clears throat> before we enter into prayer. Amen. Why do I do that? Uh, John chapter 15 uh, if my word abides in you and you and me, ask whatsoever you wish and it shall be done for you. So a lot of times people, they just want to pray because they want to feel the presence of the Lord, but they don't want to be educated right into the word of the Lord. And our praying will be no greater than our obedience and knowledge of the word. And repeating to God his own word. That's our only grounds for confidence is his word, not my word, not anybody's word, not the devil's word. But nonetheless, does that make sense? Amen. 
Amen. We, we, we can't be wordless Christians. Um, so, uh, with that said, there's this individual, they reached out to me and said that they have this sister in the Lord that they know she, she was uh, dating this brother from church and she really, I, she says she loved him. Uh, I, I don't know, uh, that word gets, uh, thrown around a lot today. Um, you know, it's kind of like, um, kids in junior high. Have you ever been there? You said you love someone in junior high. <laughs> oh yeah, you sure, you sure do. Right. <laughs> And it lasts about a week, right? Lasts about a month. That's love. But anyways, um, don't conflate love and lust. And don't even conflate love Amen. with romance. Amen. So, um, but supposedly she loved this brother and well he ended up breaking it off with her because she's he said that it was taking him away from the lord and uh, well she was heartbroken over that and uh, being a christian doesn't make you immune to heartbreak it just gives us encouragement and comfort and consolation from god to endure uh heartbreak endure suffering but nonetheless um you know they live in uh, South America and and uh, and in that particular region, I guess there's a lot of witchcraft. And so she had gone to a medium. She had gone to a, a, a psychic, a witch, and she consulted the witch and said, uh, "Why, why did this guy break up with me?" See, that's what happens. Is is she had gone to the Lord, but she but I. But here's the thing, God may disappoint you because you have expectations that you've imposed upon God rather than yield to the will of God and allow for God to be God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Despite however the dice roll. And, and, and But here's the thing, God's plans are always good. They're never bad. They're never for harm. Amen. But she couldn't understand it. So she had gone to the witch. And the witch said, Oh, another witch had casted a spell on him. Uh, and that's what caused the breakup. Here, if you pay X amount, yada, yada, yada. Uh, you, know, uh, you, you know, I could do this spell and you guys can get back together. Well, you know how witchcraft works? See, God told him that that she was leading him away from the Lord. And then here comes the witch. Oh, and you know what the witch said? She said the witch is in the church. So you know what witchcraft was doing is, first of all, is, is prophesying the complete opposite of the will of God because that young boy, or I don't know his age, had said, oh, I need to get away because in order to honor God. Now the witch is saying, hey, do X, Y, and Z in order for you guys to get back together. So she is fortune telling 
to speak death over that that female and the and the the male in order for something that isn't the will of God to take place. And then if that wasn't enough, she's now slandering the church saying that it, there's a witch in the church that way that the female can now either become suspicious of the people in the church or altogether divide and break off from it. And that's that's the uh, objective of the devil is to con- to divide and conquer. Amen. Am I speaking to people today that don't believe in the spirit realm? <laughs> or or do you do you acknowledge that this stuff is real? Now, <clears throat> amen. Amen. Because here's the thing, you do you you will do witchcraft and you can get answers. Remember when Saul when, because he was perpetually disobedient to God, what did he do? He ended up consulting a witch. And and she she had performed necromancy. And and she was immediate now despite however you interpret that passage there in Samuel, some say it was actually Samuel that she had consulted or was a demon masquerading himself as Samuel. I don't know. Uh, but regardless of that, that controversy, the point, though, is that Saul was doing something that was forbidden, and what either was Samuel or appeared to be Samuel appeared to Saul. And why? Because the Bible says the Lord wasn't answering him in dreams, nor prophets, nor through visions, or nor through Urim uh, Urim and Thummim. So Saul was sitting in darkness and did not have direction from the Lord. Now, here's the thing. Uh, it was because of his disobedience and God rejected him. But, but, here's, the, but here's the thing for us. It, there are times that the Lord will allow us to persist in darkness, not as a punishment, nor as a, as, as a basis for his rejecting of us, his rejection of us, but rather because he is... is we are undergoing uh, discipline. When I say discipline, I don't mean punitive. I don't mean punishment. I mean that God is training you as a son and a daughter, and he's trying to uh, uh, forge you in the refiner's fire and, and enable you to wait upon him because he wants to chisel out that uh, that that proclivity, that inclination, that temptation that you have to be in control and to be so hasty in your spirit to do something about everything immediately. Amen. That's real talk, bro. Amen, bro. Hallelujah. He wants you to wait upon him. You know, I was listening to my cousin's apostle uh, just uh, last night. And uh, he was talking about how these these charlatans that 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 voice uh, themselves up, that elevate themselves on on YouTube and Facebook and Instagram, all these different platforms, they always got a word for the Lord from the Lord about this guy, about this thing, about over here, and they're always in the limelight. And there's so much in the limelight that you begin to wonder, well, how how what time do you have for prayer? true. If you always got a word from God, where are you getting those words from? You're not getting it from God because you're not praying about anything. But nonetheless, Amen. um, but but 
the Lord has him right now um, praying in a tent and fasting. And what I found encouraging and consoling is a man of that rank and stature, because he, he's a mighty apostle. I Very few people like him. Uh, I don't say that to in pride or anything about the man, but uh, I also say that about Apostle Selma and Apostle Arome and men like Prophet Cobus, very seasoned men of rank and stature. Um, but I found it consoling that he said that he spent quite a bit of time and God has said nothing other than to continue to pray. And it's, why, why is, do I find that consoling? Is because the people who say that God is speaking every day, they're liars. That's why if God has called you as a prophet or even as an intercessor, that you, you will hear for others more than you hear for yourself. And so God may see, show you things about other people's lives, right? But not show you about what you need to do. Because it's the other people that don't need patience. See, God, God might give you a message for somebody else. But when it comes to you, he's, he's, he's cultivating patience in you. And if you need God to speak to you every day, then it's not patience that is being cultivated. You want popcorn. You want popcorn words. You, you you want you want words that come out like popcorn, just popping out all over the place. Does that make sense? You know, my 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 cousin, uh, whom I respect very great, uh, very highly, who also is a prophet. He told me one time. He said, you know, he's a you know how prophets greet each other. He says, "You are fine. How am I?" The point that he was making is that it's easier to see in other people's lives but be directionless in our own. And it's not contradictory. You know why? Because I can pray right now and I can ask God to give me a revelation about one of your guys' lives. And I would say nine out of Eight, nine out of ten times, God will show me something about your life. Something that is going to happen or you're going through or has happened in your past or something that has been on your mind lately. But if I do that for the Lord, for my own life, it's silence. I don't know why God does it that way, but it is that way. And it requires a lot of pressing in, months of pressing in, weeks of pressing in. And all God might say is, go left. Why, Lord, go left? In fact, he might not even tell you a second time. He just tells you once, go left. And you're looking, you're like, uh, in suspense, maybe right looks better to me. And you're tempted to go right. But you'll find out later. If you don't heed the word of the Lord that is spoken in times of peace, then pain will educate you. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> I know we don't like that, right? We want everything instant. We want everything instant. And I'm human being. I'm flesh and blood like you. Guess what? I want things instant too. So I'm not standing in judgment over anybody. I want things instant. Who don't? But you know what? 
at the same time, I, I kind of don't. Because the things that are instant decrease in value. If everybody could get in shape, everybody would be in shape. If everybody had the, if it was easy to get a physique like a bodybuilder, everybody would, everybody would have it. But guess what? It takes time. You know, I was telling my wife because my son, he, he's very sensitive to sounds and, and um, he, he's highly intelligent, propositionally and intellectually, but he doesn't pick up on social cues very well. And uh, there's a, there's a, they have medical terms for what that's called. Um, it's called Asperger's or something like that. Um, and I'm just being transparent here about that but but my son though um I, I was talking to my wife last night I said you know my son has very clean teeth I don't, you know especially from us with you know who are from Hispanic cultures all of our kids got all those uh, sh- shiny silver teeth right <laughs> tell me I'm lying I'm not lying <laughs> a bunch of silver teeth Hi, mijo. And then <laughs> Paul Wall. <laughs> Paul, Paul Wall making him a grill. <laughs> but anyways, uh, <clears throat> my son has never had a cavity. Perfect, you know, as far as cleanliness is concerned. But I was just telling my wife, I'm, I'm grateful that you know, he, he he has no cavities, nothing, but when he gets older and his adult teeth come in, we have to even make double sure that uh, he does flossing too because I don't want him to go to the dentist and not be able to endure it because he he's not like an average kid. He has hyper, hyper sensitive things to sounds. He, he just, it's very difficult for him to endure. And so I don't foresee him being able to do that at the dentist. But I, by the reason I bring that up is to say this. <clears throat> something as so small as flossing may take only, say, an hour, uh, not an hour, like 10 minutes to do. Not everybody does it, but it's maintenance, right? It w- the people have to maintenance their walk. They have to maintenance things in their lives that requires time and dedication and devotion, so that if you don't do it, guess what? You're going to show up with a cavity. And then it requires more to get you out of that rut than it would have required for you to merely maintenance something. Amen. See, to maintenance deliverance is always easier than obtaining deliverance. Does that make sense? Amen. Amen. Um, <clears throat> praise the Lord. Um, l- let me let me just quickly read this for you guys. I want to I want to educate you on something, and then we we will get into prayer. Um, I appreciate your patience. Um. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Is this okay? <clears throat> you know, 
I know I may not be one of the biggest names in Christendom, which I, I, I don't care for, to be honest. Um, uh, and, you know, let me just say this real quickly, not, not to gloat or to anything like that, but I want you guys to take this as a learning lesson because um, I, I want to model something for you all. See, see, Paul told Timothy, he says, what you have seen and heard from me. He says, what you have heard and seen from and in me, commit thou to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So Paul didn't just say everything you've heard from me. He says things that you've seen in me too. So we learn by precept and also by example. Amen. There's a lot of things that I, I will do that my son will walk in, not because I ever told Amen. him to. <clears throat> but nonetheless, um, I, I decry and I dissent a lot of, of people that butt kiss and, and network and, and force themselves indoors. Because I posted this on my Instagram and there, you know, I've seen people from when there were nobodies and when they became somebodies in, in the faith. And I see how they've strategized and they butt kissed and they did certain things that others are not privy to. And, and, this, and the reason why this is important <clears throat> is if people are employing manipulative strategies to get somewhere, the beginning has already contaminated their pursuit. And so that whatever follows thereafter is not genuine nor pure. So when it involves people, and suppose the people that are under those who have strategized and manipulated to get to those places of prominence. See, people who always manipulate to get to certain places, it's all about control. So if they've tried to control circumstances to get there, they will control the people under them when they arrive there. People don't understand these things. If they have for, if you've forced yourself into a relationship with somebody, you're going to control that somebody. Amen. Why? Because the people who have ventured into those things, that business or that relationship, that association, their heart has not died a death. However, the person who yields to the will of God has died a death. So that when they enter whatever they have, they enter into what God has for them, they've died a death so that when God blesses them with what they he has asked for, she has asked for, that person has already has already embraced the conviction that it's not my will, but the will of God. And the person who has embraced that it's the will of the Lord and not ours. There are those who do not control. Does that make sense? And so that's why I speak out against people who have used these taxes. Oh, well, what is it? You know, what's the big deal? They're just using bait. Ta-da! <laughs> why do you need to use bait if what you got for people is so good? I'm just saying... Amen. Why do you have to... Okay, how does that sound if, if a female were to bait you in a relationship? Doesn't that kind of give off a little manipulative vibes? Or if a male baited you? No, I don't want nobody baiting me. 
Even if I want what they have, I don't want anybody baiting me because it's not respecting my will, my volition. Does that make sense? If you got to bait somebody in order for them to buy into it, then it is indicative of the fact that you care more about your interest than theirs. When I care about, this is why I hate those drive-by evangelisms. Hey, uh, we got an interview. They they pull out a phone and they're interviewing they're interviewing somebody, but it's just bait and switch. They're like, so you know, what are your thoughts on blah blah blah? And really, what they they just hijack the conversation to get them to Christ. Now I understand that people want others saved, but that's not how you evangelize. That's not how Jesus did it. He didn't, he didn't pester people. He didn't try to force people into a conversation. He didn't try to cookie cut people into a conversation that make, and now, cause here's the deal. People now feel psychologically obliged to continue that conversation with the person they've already agreed to converse with so that they feel like they can't exit out, although they want to. God is always going to respect your will and we should, we should do that for others too. Does that make sense? And evangelism Amen. is not a justification to violate the will of another. Amen. Amen. If you don't want to hear, I won't cast my pros to swine. Amen. I would hope that you hear. So that's how I converse. I Unless God gives me a word and then their walls come tumbling down and, and you know, and then it's a God moment and Hey, you know, but I always preface by saying, uh, are, you know, I, I, I'm more conversant with people today. I'm not trying to find uh, ways to force them into a conversation. I don't manipulate for Jesus. Does that make sense? <clears throat> the ends don't justify the means. So, but what I was saying was, you know, uh, for example, I know a number of people in the faith that have big names who are connected to other people who have bigger names, who have million plus followings. And I never have reached out to them and say, hey, man, can you get me and so and so connected so I can go on there and all that stuff? No. If God don't want it, I don't want it. I don't. And so, Amen. so people out there in the world, they need to learn this stuff. Uh, I mean, in in the church, they need to learn this stuff. It's not about where you can get yourself to go; it's about where God is leading you. And men who are um, and women are the men and women of the spirit. They're like what Jesus said in John three. He says, "The way of the wind." He says, "You don't know where it comes from." Remember when uh, uh, Obadiah, when he he had come in contact with Elijah the prophet. And then he's a Elijah. He's a. He says, "Why have you done this to me?" He says, "You know Ahab is looking for you, and if I send word to Ahab that I've seen you, and then I can't find you, Ahab is going to have my head." He says, "Because I don't know where the Lord's going to take you." <laughs> the point, though, is this: He said, "Men and women of the Spirit, you don't know where they're going." Because you can't predict the wind. It goes where it wills. 
That's why we need to not try to systematize our lives in this rigid cookie cutter way because the Spirit may say, go left, may go right, or He may say, wait, and you don't understand why you are waiting. It don't make sense. Hallelujah. It says in Ecclesiastes, I, I, I'm going to wrap up here, but I'll try to wrap up here. Ecclesiastes, it says, uh, boy, where's this at? Ecclesiastes, the book that probably a lot of believers don't even uh, know about. But it's there in your Bible. I don't say that to be insulting, but it's good to read all the books of the scriptures, right? <clears throat> but it says in Ecclesiastes, uh, chapter 11, verse 5, as you do not know the path of the wind, or how, so what is he saying, verse 5? As you do not know the path of the wind, now, in the Greek, the word pneuma, where we get the word spirit, is the word spirit, wind, or breath. So when we speak of the ways of the spirit, the ways of the spirit are like wind. Right? Whoever, uh, it says, as you do not know the path of the wind or how the body is formed in the mother's womb, so you cannot understand, so you cannot understand the work of God, the maker of all things. So he's saying, look, Sometimes we can't understand why God does what he does or when he will do what he does. We can't understand his timing. We can't understand these things. But that's where faith comes into play. Now let me let me read this last passage and then we'll pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. <coughs> it says... Um, The reason why I'm sharing this last night, I was just talking to my wife about uh, the word of the Lord, like just informally. And then I was, as I was speaking, you know, just sharing my thoughts. I forgot what segued into that as a conversation, um, but the spirit of the Lord just descended upon us, and I felt the presence of God, and unction came on me. And that—that's not. It's just it don't happen all the time. In an informal, relaxing, conversating way, right? As I'm sipping on my hot chocolate <laughs> in my nice little mug in our home, right? Uh, this the Holy Ghost just came upon the conversation, came upon us, and then it led into a prayer. That's what we have to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost because God may want to come upon a a situation. Or a conversation. Amen. That others, you know, may not be so sensitive to. But it says this. <coughs> verse 9. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These things are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the th deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. 
This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. Now, <clears throat> I'm going to break this down very quickly. And now, the reason why I'm doing this is because I want to help those of you who happen to always get in your mind. Because for those who are always getting in their mind, that will hinder your praying. Uh, for those, and this is what I was talking to my wife about last night, is that I remember as a young believer, especially because of how my mind is wired, it's very philosophical and complex, and I can think about things over and over, and, 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 and see, the devil wants to enter into a debate with you. He wants to bend your mind through debate, and he's a, he's a better debater than you. And he, he will uh, use the word of God, you exploit it for his own advantages to out-argue you. So that if you, if you engage with him in the mind, you're going to lose. And if he gets you to a place of, because remember in Genesis he said, did God really say? Did God really say that? And now he's causing, once the question is asked, that now self-reflection begins. And it leads to insecurity. Because you no longer feel secure about what God has said. You're questioning what God has said. Well, did, God, did God really say that? Uh, oh, and then he begins to argue. Well, have you considered this verse over here? If you're so sure about that, haven't you? You know, and I'm not saying don't be studious and search out the scriptures, but especially during a time where in that moment you're feeling anxiety and you're feeling these doubts that 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 are plaguing you, right? It's not in your best interest to engage with him mentally. Amen. And I, I was saying that as a young believer, Amen. I would engage the devil in my mind. He would throw something, and, and here's the thing. He always knows more than you. He knows every theological argument. He knows of all the arguments in academia and, and, and the scholastics. He's a philosopher. <coughs> and uh, so... What I was sharing is this. In philosophy, now I'm introducing philosophy, not only because I think that a lot of what Paul here is saying isn't philosophy per se, but it's philosophical. Um, in philosophy, there's two main categories for knowledge. There's what's called immediate knowledge, and I need you guys following along just because I'm getting somewhere, it's going to make sense. There's immediate knowledge and there's immediate knowledge. Okay, what is it again? There's immediate knowledge and there is immediate knowledge. Don't think of immediate knowledge as, I received this immediately. Ha ha, this was quick. Think of the word immediate. The prefix in the word immediate can also be found in the word medium or median. That means there's something standing in the middle of. So let me give you examples of immediate knowledge. Knowledge of history. Do I know what has taken place a hundred years ago? No, I don't. Do I know what has taken place 50 years ago? No. These are all historical searches for knowledge. Now what stands in between me and that historical knowledge is maybe a historical book, 
maybe a picture taken 50 years ago, maybe a video that was captured 50 years ago, right? Now, I don't have direct access to what has happened because I myself did not experience what happened 50 years ago. Therefore, what stands in between me and that history are evidences from that history. So there's something standing in the middle of. So immediate knowledge requires arguments, it requires evidences, it requires things like that, such that if you don't have the evidences, if you don't have the books, if you don't have the testimonies, if you don't have those things, then you don't have knowledge. You cannot obtain knowledge. Immediate knowledge are, example, are, are cases where you nothing is standing in the middle of. Let me give you an example. If you get hit and you're in pain, I don't need to provide an argument to you that you're in pain. You know you're in pain. And if I were to ask you, how do you know you're in pain? You would say, I know I'm in pain because I know I'm in pain. <laughs> There's no argument needed for it. It's direct access to, and, it, and a, lot of, a lot of these things are experience. How do you know the thoughts that you're thinking? How do you know uh, what you had for breakfast, right? These are all these are all cases of immediate knowledge. In other words, you don't need to go to another individual. You don't need to go to uh, uh, read a history uh, history book. You don't need to learn mathematics. These are things that even children know, because there's nothing. It's direct access to the knowledge. Does that make sense so far? Now I want to build up here, and it's going to make sense. Y'all following? Or no? Amen. The rest of you? <clears throat> so, I'm going to relate this to First uh, Corinthians. What happens when you do not have knowledge of something. And in order for you to have knowledge of something, there's someone or something standing in the way, and you may not have access to that. Then that leads you insecure, that leads you frightened, that leads you afraid to not know. Now, if on the other hand, you have direct access to knowledge. If you have direct access and nothing is standing in the way, then nothing can manipulate that knowledge. If, if for example, <clears throat> you guys ever play the, the, the game telephone? Where some person says something, whisper it to another person, that person whispers it to another person, that person, well, by the time it gets to the end person, there's a, a, a totally different message. Well, what, what's, what, what is that the process of? That's the process of mediation. And there, there's, there's a, a possibility of tampering of that information the more that there are people mediating. So the person from the beginning to the person at the end cannot accurately converse because, there's, because of the... The mediation. Does that make sense? There's always a process of, there's always a possibility of tampering. But if you have immediate knowledge of something, 
that means that that middleman is cut out. Does that make sense? Okay. So remember how I said that a, a, an example of immediate knowledge is to have direct access. And examples of that is you in, you got injured, therefore, and that injury caused you pain, therefore you know you're in pain. And if I were to ask you what's the argument that you have to convince me that you're in pain, you just say, I don't need an argument, I'm just in pain, I just know it. Or how do you know that you exist? <laughs> as stupid as that question sounds, these are questions that philosophers ask, you know you exist because I exist. I don't need an argument. I just that's just what it is. Now, let me get to the Bible. Paul says this. He says, "What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these things God has revealed to us by his spirit." <clears throat> the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, who for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them. So, Remember how I gave you an example of immediate knowledge and it's your own thoughts? How do you know your own thoughts? Well, you just know them. You don't need an argument. You don't need a book. You don't need to ask someone. If you want to think something, you'll think it. And as you think it, you know it. Right? So Paul is actually using this line of reasoning here. He says, who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? And who knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man within him? Right? You can have direct access to your own thoughts because of your spirit within you that gives you those thoughts. Now, what does Paul say? He says, but God has given us his spirit that he that we may know the things freely given to us by God. So I don't have to to to, to inquire in a history book. I don't have to do those things. God can give me direct revelation, immediate knowledge from the Holy Ghost. Does that make sense? And, and why? Because God has given us his spirit and the spirit reveals the thoughts and the minds of the mind of God. My spirit searches my own mind and gives me the thoughts of my mind. That's what my spirit does. And the reason why you don't know what I'm thinking is because you don't have my spirit. Right? Do you want to know how what a demon thinks? A person who's demon-possessed has access to what a demon thinks. Because what that demon thinks, that demon will cause the thoughts to exist within that vessel. Right? That's why people who are demon-possessed have perpetual intrusive thoughts that they cannot stop from start to finish. It's always... And very degrading things oftentimes. I remember uh, my uncle telling me about this friend that he had that uh, these demons would tell him degrading things, sexual things, and he just couldn't take it anymore. He heard it every day, every day, every day. Even he eventually committed suicide, sadly. <coughs> but how do? But see, see, that's what spirits do. Spirits give you thoughts, right? Your own spirit creates your own thoughts. No one has access to that. Only you. You have direct access to that. Now, God has given you his spirit so that you may know his thoughts. 
Now, the significance of that is this. See, when the devil comes, and this is what I was telling my wife, I've learned to not rely here. Because if I rely here, I need a bunch of arguments. I need history. I need to know more. I need to search that out. I need to know this. And unless I know those things, I won't feel secure. Because there's always another level and layer to knowledge that you can acquire. And if there's always existing another level or layer, then you've never arrived. And if you've never arrived, how can you settle? And if you haven't settled, how can you feel secure? And if you aren't secure, how can you avoid anxiety? Amen. However, if God has spoken directly, without layer, without mediation, without distortion, without hampering, without someone contaminating, without someone getting their hands on it, to then feed me something opposite than from what he is saying, then I can have security knowing I have direct access to the mind of God because he has put his spirit within me. And the spirit that is within me inhabits me, gives me exact knowledge of what God wants me to know when I need to know it. So I don't have to worry myself. Does that make sense? So, in other words, the battlefield needs to be avoided in the mind. So a doubt comes in. The thing you don't need to do then is to say, oh, I wonder how this is going to happen. I wonder if that person is going to give me the money they say they're going to owe me because I need to pay rent. I wonder if this and all this stuff is going to happen because you need to know everything to know anything. And guess what? You're never going to know everything. The solution then is to go based off what not your mind is informed about nor about what you see with your eyes, but about what God the Holy Ghost has said to your spirit and has revealed to you from the mind of God. Amen. 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 That's how you win the battle every time. So in that case, I don't need to know everything. I just need to know the one who does. Either I have to know everything to know anything, or I have to know the one who does know everything for me to be secured as if I knew everything. That's the solution to the mental battle, isn't to go and to wage war in the mind, but to wage war in the spirit, and to inquire of the Holy Ghost and say, Lord, search the Spirit of God, search the deep things of the mind of God for me, so that I may know what I need to know, and, and, and when to apply it. And so therefore I wage war by the Spirit, I learn by the Spirit, I serve God with my spirit, I'm energized by the Spirit, not my mind. And this is why I've said, and I don't say it arrogantly, I, I, as a man of God who prays by the Spirit, sees by the Spirit, will be able to outperform uh, someone who is hyper-intellectual and knows more than me, not because I'm a better man, but because I know how to access God who is greater than all. That's the only reason. Someone who doesn't rely on the Holy Ghost but relies on their mind and all their education and all their learning, I will have an advantage over them. Just as Daniel had advantage over the astrologers, the enchanters, the soothsayers, and all the wise men of Babylon. Amen. You know why? What was that? Daniel's answer? He says, because there's a God in heaven who revealeth secrets. 
Amen. Hallelujah. <coughs> so there's multiple dynamics and moving pieces that I am not aware of. That I, I can't possibly control. I don't know of. I don't try to figure everything out. I don't. I say, God, you know all. So God revealed to me what I need to know. God revealed to me, O oh Lord, and I inquire in the Spirit. He's the grand designer that can actualize things on earth that need to take place that will work for your favor. There's no safer place than the will of God. Amen. If you read Romans 8, verse 28, it says, Now we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. But you know what is preceded by? It says, Those who are led by the Spirit are children of God. And it says, it says, For the Spirit himself maketh intercession for us through groans. And he says, therefore, we know that in all things God works for those for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. So you know the good working for you cannot happen until you pray by the Spirit and, and the Spirit begins to intercede for you for the will of God. Does that make sense? Hallelujah. Amen. So you know the solution to every problem is get in the Spirit. Let, let us just read that real quickly, just so you know I'm not making stuff up. Romans 8. <clears throat> but as you see in 1 Corinthians, what was Paul's argument here? Who knows the thoughts of a man except the Spirit of the man? Who knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God? He says, but we have received the Spirit, not of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. So you want to know the things God has freely given to you? You want to know the plans and purposes that God has for your life? Get in the Spirit. Right? Not your mind. Not your head. Not your flesh. Not your soul. <clears throat> but it says, verse 26, Romans chapter 8. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for. You know your weakness, or as the King James Version puts it, infirmity? You're plagued with the infirmity of ignorance. And until you readily accept that, embrace it, and acknowledge it, that places you at it, and, and to the extent that you know that you are placed in a disadvantaged position because you don't know, until you embrace that, you won't begin to live by the Spirit because you will still have enough confidence that you can handle it. That you can figure it out. If I am too weak to deadlift 800 pounds, I'm not going to be confident in myself to deadlift 800 pounds. I'm going to embrace my weakness and say I can't do it. I have to, I have to work wiser, not harder. Does that make sense? Are we working wiser or are we working harder? Because guess what? The person who's relying on their own strength will take them a year when I, by the Holy Ghost, when I pray more, will be able to do it in two months. I know a lot of people don't believe that. That aggravates them because they just don't like praying. They like to pride themselves that they're smart enough. And guess what? I'm all for education. I've been formally trained in philosophy and English and 
and and uh, got certified in a number of other things and uh I'm all for education but guess what education means nothing in comparison to the revelation of the spirit revelation is the highest domain of knowledge revelation is higher than education does it make sense not against education I'm just saying that there's a realm that transcends it <clears throat> and look at what it says here we don't know what we ought to pray for. So you're so ignorant, you don't even know what to pray for. I'm so ignorant, I don't know what to pray for. So if we're ignorant, my brothers and sisters, why do we try to live as if we know? That doesn't mean we can't ever make knowledge claims. It just means when there are situations and it's not black or white, this is not a time to try to figure it out. It's a time to say, God, I don't know. And you will learn that that is customary of God. Why? Because he wants you to consult the one who does. He wants, to, he wants you to consult the one who is ancient. Come on, somebody. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. So you need intercession by the Spirit. That's what you need. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit. Sound familiar? Same language that Paul is giving in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The mind of the Spirit. He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. So we, we see here the necessity for intercession by the Spirit. We see that we are ignorant. We see that we need to rely upon the one who knows all through our praying. <clears throat> now verse 28. First, that everybody likes to read and quote, and I do too, but they don't see what comes before it. And we know that in all things, God's work for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. See, you cannot step into the purpose of God until you prayed the purpose of God. But guess what? You don't know the purpose of God. For we don't know what to pray for as we ought. Ah, but the Spirit who knows the deep things of God, who knows the purposes of God, who knows the mind of God, can reveal to you what you need to pray for so that all things will be able to work together for good as you pray the purposes of God for your life. Amen? Amen. It takes the mind of God... It takes the Spirit of God to know the mind of God. It takes the mind of God to reveal the purpose of God. It takes uh, praying for the purpose of God to step in the purpose of God. And it's only in the purpose of God that all things work together for good. So you see that causal chain? That all things are accessible by the Holy Ghost. And until you pray through the Spirit, all things won't work together for good. So do you want all things to work together for good? <clears throat> Amen. It takes us praying by the Spirit, not relying on our mind. Because <clears throat> you're going to try to figure out everything by your own head. And God isn't going to show you, God is not going to give you an answer for every for everything. He's not going to give you an explanation for all the hows or the could be's and the what ifs and all that stuff. He only gives you what you need to know. And that must be content, you must be content for that. 
You, may, you must be content with that and not expect more than what God gives to you. And you are uh, uh, obedient with the level of revelation and light that he gives you. Does that make sense? You honor the level of light and revelation he gives you and you continue to do what you know to do until you know to do more. If God doesn't give you any more, you don't do more. Amen. <clears throat> and I would say uh, two ways that we pray by the Spirit especially is tongues and also praying Scripture. But I would say primarily it's it's praying in tongues. Um but but because here's the thing, you're gonna come across situations that you you don't know. It could be left as much as it could be right. And praying general prayers doesn't encompass those detailed situations. Does it make sense? So 